Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Wow. Are we here today, Mr. President? Good afternoon and happy Sabbath. Amen, amen. I'm glad to hear that you all are here. Um, glad to hear that I, as I always say, amongst the land of the living. Uh, it's great to see your lovely faces this afternoon, and I'm hoping and praying that um, the Spirit of God will just fill this place right now. I want to thank uh, our president for um, that update. Thank you, Mr. President, as well as the prayer, um, praying for me in this process as well. I appreciate that. You know, and then I want to thank Principal Baldwin. He broke ranks as we were sitting down there, and um, um, and he came over and laid his hands on me and he prayed for me. I thought that was very special. You know, we have to understand that there's a reason why God placed us in community of believers. And so to know that you got your brother's um, uh, thought there in your minds is a great thing to know. So thank you all for that as well. I also want to say, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Reginald Horton. I'm one of the pastors on uh, the staff here at the Collegedale University Church, and I am titled the Collegiate Pastor. So it's my responsibility to be engaged and involved with our university students as well. And I also want to say to Ella Grace, outstanding. Amen. 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 Good job. And, and her ensemble, her, her crew of yes, musicians did an outstanding job. So um, you can see uh, as they put it on the screen, I, um, our title for today is Why Settle for Less When God Has Made Us for More? Why Settle for Less When God Has Made Us for More? Now, I apologize because this is a two-part sermon, and I'm sorry you are at part two. <laughs> we had part one last night, so I probably missed a number of you all. And so I just want to kind of catch you up, sort of brief you on some of the things that we discussed and talked about last night. Uh, Ellen White said in her book, Desire of Ages, when she looked at the life of Judas, and that's what his... The, the, the individual whom I looked at when it came to uh, talking about why settle for less when we're made for more. And one of the things she said that the reason why Christ, um, uh, reason why he, he is in the books of the Bible is simply because of the simple fact that God want us to see and peer into his life and see the mistakes that he made so that we as God's children would not repeat and do the same. So uh, that's why I kind of selected him, and so I kind of went into that as well. So we talked about uh, four different topics, one in particular. I'm just catching you up. We talked about selfish ambitions. Uh, the reason why Judas settled for less was simply because of his selfish ambitions in life. You know, uh, I, it's, it's, it's a joy to know that after a sermon, uh, uh, sometimes the things that we say uh, needs a little bit more clarity to it. It needs to be a little bit more understanding to it. So one of the, the, the young adults approached me last night and he said, Pastor, he said, tell me more about this ambitious thing. You know, you mean to tell me I can't uh, um, be ambitious in life and want to be this and that and do this and that? And I paused him. I said, well, you have to understand that title, you're, you're correct. I did talk about ambition, but I talked about selfish ambitions. 
And that's what Judas had. He had a selfish ambition. In other words, life was really about him and he made everything about him. And so therefore, we need to veer away from selfish ambitions because it causes us to settle for less. And in Judas' case, it was 30 pieces of silver. Secondly, we talked about um, how oftentimes by means of association, we end up settling for less because of the people who we keep company with. And so I was encouraging the, the students last night to say, it's important for us to understand that when you are in community or when you are in an inner circle, make sure that the inner circle is creating a spiritual journey that you need with Christ Jesus. If it is not, then I suggest to you, you may want to find a new group to hang out with. Because the Bible, according to what Ellen White said, that Judas had a huge influence on the disciples and he was trying to influence them not to abide by God's principles. I gave some texts and stuff. Go watch the sermon. You, you, you can catch up that way. I don't want to go into deep, too detail because I'm only getting, given time, right, Matt, to preach one sermon, not two. Okay, just one. Right, he said, just one, just one. And, and, and thirdly, I talked about placement. Placement is something by which uh, 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 if, if you read about Judah's life, you'll, you'll understand that God allowed him to be with the disciples. Placement. And lastly, I talked about what God was really trying to do with him, was really trying to get him to be fitted for the work of God. And because of his selfish ambitions, he was not fitted for the work of God. And therefore, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. Our title, once again, Why Settle for Less When We're Made for More? Father God, I was here just an hour ago, and I'm here now. I ask now that as we engage in this sermon process that you would lend your spirit to continue to abide with us to the point where our hearts are open to hear the word of God. So I pray and ask that you would once again make it be clear to everyone that this is about you and not about the speaker. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, let's get busy. So let me begin with the point number one. So jot this one down. I want to shift from the selfish ambition and, and people uh, uh, settle for less. And I want to go more to becoming more today. How many of you all would like to become more than what you already are? Okay, I'm the only one. I didn't hear an amen or no one said it me. I didn't see, even see a hand raised. It is only I and I'm okay with that. But let me keep going. The Bible says in um, John chapter 15, verse 5, it says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What if I told you we become more by staying connected to God? I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Appreciate you. We become more by staying connected to God. 
I love this verse in uh, uh, verse 5 of John 15. He said, those who remain in me and I in them, it is then that we'll be able to produce fruit. And I want to pause with the word remain. In other words, in some Bibles, it means to abide. In, in other words, what I'm trying to say that, 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 that uh, in order to stay connected to God, we must remain in him. So, so uh, remain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, I can remain in God, and when I'm in God, it is then that he is doing the work in me, and therefore, because of that work that he is, as Paul said, is working within me, it is then that it enables me to stay connected. And I want to make this clear. It is not something that you are doing or that I am doing that makes me stay connected to God. It's actually when we open up our hearts, as Ellen White was saying about Judas, if he would open his heart to Christ, it would have made a difference in his life. So it has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with me, but everything to do with Jesus Christ. And if we continue to allow his spirit to live within us, it is then it would enable us to have an open heart to receive him. Remain or abide in Christ. Stay connected. This connection is not some one-time situation or a one-time event in your life. This connection is on a continuum. This connection happens day by day by day. So in essence, every morning when we wake up in the morning, we should be asking ourselves, am I connected to God? And if not, we should make ways and do what we can, be led by God's spirit in order to be connected to God. We avoid settling for less and become more when we stay connected to God. That's number one. Number two, we become more based upon our identity in God. You see, um, years ago, as a young teenager uh, in I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I, uh, sometimes I'm somewhat reluctant to say it amongst Adventists because, you know, partial judgment sometimes come as a result of, but, but I'm going to step out on a limb and I'm going to say it anyway. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't grow up Adventist. <laughs> Tell you what, I, I didn't grow up Adventist. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that's, 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 that's my issue. But one of the things that I experienced identity, even though I, ooh, even though I did not have my identity in Christ Jesus, I had an identity. You see, growing up uh, in, in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, there was a thing that my mom and my dad and my family members instilled within us, and that is the name of Horton, identity. You see, you can form your identity in Christ by just by the name that he's given. Ooh. I hope you can keep up, camera. Say, he's going all over the place. Look, it just flicked out. Listen, so, 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 so I remember in high school, they, it, was, it was a pep rally. Any of you all familiar with pep rallies? Yeah, well, then you're not, you, you didn't grow up Adventist either. <laughs> 
I, don't, I, I, didn't know, I didn't go to one of my, kid, my kids' pep rallies. But anyway, anyway that's neither here nor there. That's, that's neither here nor there. But, 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 but I remember it was a pep rally and all that excitement was going on. Everybody was geared up and they got the students because we were playing our rivals and they wanted us to make sure that everybody and students are at the game so that we can help them win the game. And we were all excited. And after the pep rally, I went into the restroom. And when I was going to the restroom, I noticed this dude who was standing by the door. And in his hand, he held, he had a dollar bill. Did I say dollar or dollar? Once again, I'm from Memphis. We have a certain dialect. You may say dollar, I may say dollar. So, so excuse me, but, but he had a dollar for you in his hand. And, and he was, Asking guys who were coming by, you want to hit, man? Five dollars. You want to hit? Five dollars. And I was like, what, what? And it wasn't until later, after I finished my business and on my way out, he hit me up. He said, hey, man, you want to hit? Five dollars. And he opened up the dollar, and inside it was a white substance. Now, granted, I will tell you, I peeped at it for a second. And it didn't look like brown sugar. I mean, uh, powdered sugar. It didn't look like baking soda. What it actually was, was cocaine. I told you I didn't grow up at Venice. And, and, and I can remember I had a choice. I could choose to give him the $5, which I didn't have. I was going to have to borrow it from somebody or take out a loan. But I knew that in order for, I had two choices and I could say I can engage or not engage. And I remember in the recesses of my mind, my mom had told me, said, boy, you're Horton and Hortons don't do drugs. And I said, identity. And so I, I, I told the dude, I said, oh man, you know, you try to play it cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm cool, man. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thank you. And I walked out. I wonder if Judas had understood what his name truly means. Would it have changed the trajectory of his life? Do you know that the, the name Judas is Greek for the Hebrew word Judah? And do you know that Judah is basically uh, uh, translated as God to be praised. So I'm wondering if he knew that, 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 that he was to praise God, would his life have changed and would it have been different? I wonder if he knew it in a sense that, 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 that it would have saved him from, from the journey that he was heading himself to if he had known his identity. When you and I accepted the Lord as our Savior and begin this Christian journey with God, it is then that we took on the name of Christianity. We took on Christ's name. And I must say that when I was in there and, 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 and I look back at my life, it, that was just one moment. But there are times where I realized I went to my last name, which is Horton, my identity. It kept me out of prison. My wife said, yes, praise God. <laughs> 
It kept me out of prison. It kept me from being a drug addict. It kept me from being an alcoholic. All because I believed that my identity meant something. It's time for us to stop selling for less and become more because of our identity in Christ Jesus. It's time for us to begin to, to begin to live in this sort of attitude and understanding. And I'm not trying to tell you to give you self-pride. That's not what I'm saying. But there comes a time when you're confronted like Joseph. How can I sin against my God? Should be the final say-so. Joseph was saying my identity is in God. We become more through our identity in God. Thirdly, our, just because of who God is and what he done for us <laughs> and is doing for us, simply lets me know that I'm already in the right space. We become more because we are more. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> we become more because we are chosen. We're chosen. I love how, <clears throat> excuse me, I love how um, Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8, 31 through 34. Should come up, there it is. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he, since he, let me put my glasses on so I make sure I stay on track. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has, what? Chosen for his own. Another way of putting it in some Bibles, I'm quite sure it says the elect or we, uh, he chose the elect individuals. That means he looked and examined each and every one of us and we all have a criteria that makes us chosen and elect. You wanna know what it is? Let me tell you what it's not. It's nothing that you have done. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it has nothing to do uh, with your degree. It has nothing to do with your position in the church. It has nothing to do with the amount of money you have, the position you hold at your job. It has nothing to do with anything of that. It has everything to do because of our condition. This is why we are chosen, because what Paul is talking about is salvation. And as I look in the room and include myself, we all are in need of a Savior. Come on, say amen. Yeah, we all are in need of a Savior. That's what qualifies us as elect and chosen. So stop walking around. Stop acting as if God did something for nothing. You were made for more because you are chosen. I love how he says it. I love how he says it. Watch this. Uh, number one, as, as he go on to his spiel in Revelations 8, 31 and 34, he said, 
what he's talking about is God's gift of his son to everyone else. And then he goes, and I love how, number two, he talks about everything else. And whatever everything else is, is what God says everything else is. And whatever everything else is, is what you need. And I'm under the impression that God said he would supply all of our needs. So that's everything else. But I want to go down to the other part. He said, God has chosen us, carefully selected us, chosen for salvation through divine mercy. Through divine mercy. Mm. Through divine mercy. (laughs) What Judas have led me to believe that even though he was talking or he was in the vein of his own selfish desires, God is still was trying to let him know. Jesus in the community was still trying to inform him. Jesus was trying to place him in a situation where he can understand not only his identity, but just the fact that, man, you were chosen. I chose you for the simple fact because I'm trying to save you. Can I come down? It's okay? Y'all not afraid or anything? Hey, what's he doing? <laughs> you know, preachers don't, don't spread it, say it. Okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> I was struggling with this word, surrender. You see, how do we stop selling and become more? It's simple. We surrender. And as plain as it may sound, as cliche as it may be, it is. We just read John 15:5. I can't do anything without Christ. So I cannot become more without Christ. So, 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 and, and that comes as a result of me surrendering to God. Hmm. Now, I must say years ago, Pastor Moon, thank you very much, uh, and I'm being uh, very thankful for Pastor Moon because he shared with me, we talked about this term surrender. And when he shared it with me, he caused me to think because his, his, his concept was What would we be like as God's children if we would just learn how to surrender to God? And then I begin to ask myself the question, I did my own self-reflection, and I'm going, hey man, thanks a lot, big guy, because now you got me thinking. Here I am, a pastor, been in the church for years, been uh, uh, on committees doing certain things for the Lord. I'm thinking that because of my virtue of what I've been doing thus far, I have been surrendering to God. Or have I? Judas thought just because he committed to be a part of the team that he has surrendered to God. Ellen White says, she said, that Judas had not fully surrendered. You see, I 
can be a part of a ministry, but it doesn't necessarily mean I fully surrendered. And so now I've been on this whole journey of trying to understand this word surrender. You know, I said, no, it. I feel like I feel like an imposter even talking to you all about it. I went to school for this. I should know what it means to surrender. I should know. I got an undergraduate degree here at Southern Adventist University. At the time, it was Southern College. I went to Andrews University. I got a master's degree in divinity. I just I got a doctorate in ministry. I should know. I'm still searching. So let me give you a little bit what I think, what God means to surrender. So this is how the Spirit led me. So I'm thinking, hmm, what does it mean, really? I begin to think about certain things in life. For example, a boxer. We all know that in a boxing match, if the fighter is getting bruised, battered, and beaten, to the point of unrecognition where he's not being able to be able to be recognized by his trainer, it is then that the trainer will be sitting outside the ring and he will throw the towel in, throwing in the towel. That's where that concept comes from. He is attempting to throw in the towel to surrender the fight. I said, yeah, yeah. But then I thought, "Mm, no, because the boxer is not throwing the towel in. It's the trainer. Because the boxer, if he's not careful, he'll continue to fight. He would, and, and, and probably end up dying. But the trainer is surrendering and not the fighter. Stop fighting. Because <laughs> it's not fully surrendered. Now, okay, all right, all right. That didn't work. Oh, yeah. What about in wartime, when we surrender then. Maybe I can use this concept. And then as I begin to research and understand further, you know, that, 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 that sometimes in war times that enemy or individuals would surrender, commanders would surrender, but they were doing it to ambush the other t- members. This is why they placed in the Geneva Convention that, that the rules of order or rules of operation in war that if you throw in, if someone uh, waved the flag and, 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 and surrendered to you, you cannot use it as an ambush. Even that is not a good concept. And then I thought, hmm, as I would continue to read, I noticed that they also said that, that some people surrender just for negotiation. Well, in negotiations, self is still at the table. So even that was wrong. I said, oh, Lord, help me. Until finally, the Spirit brought me to this concept. You may say, duh. Well, it was duh for me. When we totally, fully surrender, what we are doing is we are letting the person know that we are relinquishing all control. Now that's hard to fathom because we want to be in control. <laughs> but when you surrender, you're saying, God, I fully am giving everything in your command and control this situation 
That's what it really means. It means that, that for me, as I continue to understand it more fully, relinquishing doesn't mean that I'm just giving up and just, oh well, but it's really saying, God, I'm giving you the control. I'm surrendering all. So, so I, I suggest to us today that, 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 that if we learn how to be in this sort of atmosphere or mindset of surrendering to God daily, it is then that we will be more, we will accept that we are more, and it is then that we will see our lives transformed. Why? Because Jesus is doing the transformation. But it's not going to happen if self is still on the throne. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. He said we kind of have a war going on within us. You remember Paul talks about that? And he said this war is huge. We battle with issues within ourselves. And what Christ is saying to us, give me that war. He's saying, whatever it is that you are bothered by, worried about, he's saying, give that to me. I got that. So surrender is really a conscious effort on our behalf to say, God, my anxiety, that's yours. God, my addiction, that's yours. God, uh, 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 my attitude, my depression, I just threw that. I didn't do this at the first service. I thought, you know. But, but, but it's God saying to us, let me take that on simply because he can. When we begin to do that, it is then that God will begin to transform our lives. I love how the hymn says, all to thee, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me, Savior, holy thine. All to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. The chorus, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. We got a week coming up, a big one. What if I told you today, you're in a great position to surrender all to God? What if I told you today that if you would just give it to God, a burden would be lifted and you will become more for what God wants you to be? It's just that simple. Surrender. Anybody want to join me this week? I'm just like, Lord, I don't care what. I got mirrors coming up and we're struggling right now. Worrying about who's going to sing and all this other stuff. Got need team members. I'm worried. But my faith is strong. But it comes with a daily surrender to God. And I mean that because I have to battle that. So, you need prayer for that? 
Can I pray for you? If you're in agreement with it, I want you to stand with me as I pray for you. Hmm. Understand, I'm asking you to stand for the simple fact that this week and from this week, this day forward, we're going to say, Lord, it's yours. I'm not going to even worry about it. I'm giving it to you. And that's a challenge. And for some of us, we have to fight. And for others, we perfected it and we're doing well. But steady the course and God will allow you to become more than what you think you can be. Father God, we're standing today because we're tired of the war as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, the war within ourselves. We've been battling. We've got issues and challenges, stuff that is embarrassing to even share with others. Today, this day, we're saying, God, you're in control. God, you have it. Do whatever means necessary to keep us on this journey of totally and fully surrendering to you. And then, Lord, as Judah's name, God to be praised, will be the theme for our lives. God to be praised. God to be praised as a result of what you're working out in our lives. Bless us. We need you. We sung about it today. So Lord, take it. We're tired of holding on to it. And then Lord, may we share the blessing with others. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Let the saints of God say amen.